from the Far East to the Great West. The podcast that celebrates the red-headed stepchild of the Kung Fu genre. Bruce Broitation. Welcome to the Clones Cast. Here are your hosts, Michael and Matthew. Welcome to the Clones Cast. This episode, we're talking about the 1976 Wang Sing Loi directed Bruce Lee, The Dragon Lives. Um, I found another title. When, the, when you look at this on Internet Movie Database, it's under He's a Legend, He's a Hero, which is great because it makes me get the song stuck in my head. <laughs> <laughs> starring, uh, this is starring Bruce Lai. This is the third part in our three-part series on Bruce Lai as the real Bruce Lee. Last episode, we covered Bruce Lee Superstar, and part one was Bruce Lee, A Dragon Story. And I forgot I had another name for that one too. Dragon dies hard, but yeah. But don't this one. Don't be confused with the dragon lives again. This is the dragon lives. Uh, it's like a comedy alternate dimension telling of Bruce's life. Uh, it covers birth, San Francisco, Betty, Linda, and all sorts of um, slapstick comedy. So, uh, Michael, when did you first see this, and what do you think? Well, I'm gonna, first, I'm going to give you another title for it because Ooh. there is there's another title which b- it barely registers on called Behind Bruce Lee. And uh, I guess like kind of be, behind the story of Bruce Lee. So when I saw it, I saw it in um, I th- when I saw it in Chinatown as a kid, I thought it was Bruce Lee, the man, the myth, which I had seen once before. And I thought that's what I was going to go see. And of course, mm-hmm. I was like, whoa, this is not the movie I saw. <laughs> um, but I've had um, a number of press material from the the project since I was a, as a kid. And, and it was one, at one point called Behind Bruce Lee. I don't remember if it was actually called Behind Bruce Lee when I saw it at the theater or if it was He's a Legend, He's a Hero, or The Dragon Liz. Like, probably it was He's a Legend, Here's a Hero. But um, yeah, interesting movie, huh? Yeah, and let me ask you. Um, so I, the way I found He's a Legend, He's a Hero, because I was trying to find it on IMDb and Wikipedia, like I always do, and I couldn't find it. So I just found, because I watched it on Amazon, and I found one of the actors, it was the Linda Lee character. She was played by... Um, an actress named Karen White. Right. So I searched for Karen White, and that brought up a different Amazon movie. But accordingly, according to IMDb, she's only been in one movie, which is uh, this one, Dragon Lives. But that pulled up in Amazon using her name. It pulled up Bruce Lee True Story. Right, which is Bruce Lee the Man the Myth. Is it? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I could, and I, she wasn't in that, right? No, she's not. That's no. a, In fact, that movie, if you remember... I mean, which I, you probably don't. The, the Linda character pops in a couple of times, but looks dead on her. Like they right. totally made her look. And this one, that she looks kind of like she's like Sharon Tate. She's really pretty. This girl, you know. Oh, yeah. I mean, she's she's definitely the hot, <laughs> the hot. Of of the all movie. of the Linda Lees, this is the yeah. She's Linda the Lee. one. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you're right. And did you tell me some lore behind the man, the myth, that like the director saw somebody in like a hotel bar. That looked like Linda, so he went over and he was like, "Hey, you want to be in a movie?" <laughs> no, I didn't see that. <laughs> okay, that's pretty I don't know. Maybe, maybe that's maybe, true. Maybe I read that. I don't know. It, that it, could be. It could be true. <laughs> believe me, a lot of these, a lot of these, you know, particularly with the the white characters in these Hong Kong and Taiwan made films, they they would, there wasn't like a casting place. You know what I mean? You just would go out and find them. Yeah, yeah, I love it. Well, okay, so this one we're just gonna we're gonna walk through it like we like like we're to do. Um, it starts out really interesting with a big storm, um, and that's a big tie-in to later on. The storm reappears, but 
I, I don't know, when I first started watching, it was kind of like this Jesus story or something, right? This baby born and this, and all this uh, tumultuous stuff. And um, it's, it's a really great thing, like from a biography perspective, because his uncle's like, oh, he's an awesome kid already. Like, I, I'm going to take him to the United States. <laughs> yeah. And it's cracked me up. Um, instantly, he's all grown up and, and we get, oh, no, actually, this is, I'm sorry, I, I jump ahead. Um, we get to see him as a young boy, and he's already like you know kung fu expert. He's kicking the butt of all these uh, bigger kids, and uh, oh, there's a, a nice scene where he's bawling his eyes out because he he offended his master, and he gets um, he gets a nice whipping and stuff like that. It was a really weird intro because I'm just like you, you're if you're if you've never seen this before, you're still like well, do they know something we don't? And could all this be true? <laughs> Until of course you get further in and. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Well, I think it's that part's kind of interesting. Well, first off, this this is one of two of the films that Bruce Lee did, where we're basically watching Bruce Lee from a child up into his death. You know, because of the, between this and the other one is uh, Superstar, right? The one we we just did in the last episode, where the others all kind of jump into a, in a fragment of his life, particularly with Bruce Lee's Deadly Kung Fu, where it's just his his uh, month or few months that he's spending in i.e. seattle or san francisco whatever they're they're trying to pull it off as um but here you know we we start him off as a child and one of the things that i always find interesting and it's the case with this movie is it particularly with this one is that he's born in hong kong you know he's born in china which wasn't the case i mean he was born in the united states and but there's let's let's root him here and have him be born here and you know keep him <laughs> you know make sure we we know where he's from and then they go into that like you said that that childhood stuff which which i found interesting because they're showing there that rebellious side of him I, talking about because there was something in there about him going into his or how did you beat these kids like implying he's got this known his own style he's already right. developing at that point yeah, that's that's actually a really good point. I didn't even think about the he wasn't even born there. I'm like, like I'm already my histories are getting all blurred because of all the misinformation. Sure, I, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it, it would suck to be the person like totally wanting to hear about Bruce in 1976 and going to see this and being like, well, wait, I don't know. It's it's like the oral poetry, you know, from the Greeks. Um, how different oral poets would tell it a little bit differently. And so, you know, two people could hear the same story and have a completely different, you know, plot. Yeah, I mean, look, Bruce, Bruce Blutation is like a game of telephone, right? I mean, right. you start to tell it and it changes as it more. But that's that's part of what I find interesting about some of these films, particularly these, these Bruce Lee bios. And what I do find interesting about this one is how they approach Bruce Lee and his his spiritual destiny. You know, some of the, every film has a, a slightly different, you know, take on on Bruce Lee or what they want to focus on with him. You know, whether it's his in this case, you know, there's a sort of a spiritual obsession with martial arts that he has. And in Bruce Lee's superstar, there's a little bit more of his craving of fame you know and and uh the dragon lives again it was sort of hard to tell it was <laughs> what he was doing and i mean excuse me not the dragon the, the dragon story you know what he was doing there right. so but this one and i'm sure we'll talk about it as we go through it deals a lot with this idea because if you pay attention there's a ticking clock through the movie that you hear yeah. quite a bit and it comes back to it i mean there's some heavy you know metaphors in this movie we'll we'll, we'll hit on but there's this that is what the overall tone of this movie always feels to me is is about bruce lee's destiny how there you know there's 
they and they did this in the other one in Bruce Lee Superstar where that where there's a he comments on you know, and he's talking to his friend towards the end about like, you know, I'm talking about something about, you know, death coming or something like right. that. And they, and this movie, it's just saturated in that. Yeah. Like in Superstar, there's a point because they, you, they, you're right. They always have like the hint, like letting the audience know, wink, wink. We all know he's dead. So it's cool. <laughs> but they, in the last one, the Superstar, um, there was the line, um, like, Bruce, you're exercising too much. And Bruce says something along the lines of, well, you can't die from exercising too much. Right, exactly. Uh, it just killed me. Well, okay, so what makes, first off, I, this is a very special film, but what makes this film especially special is that opening song. That was beautiful. Yeah. Now, yeah. and I, you know, this is me just because I pushed this back, but I'm I'm pretty sure this is the, the case. And if some, if I'm wrong, I will. You'll probably get a call. But just know that I'm, I'm, I'm 100, 90% sure on this. Uh, Anders Nelson wrote this song. Yeah, Anders Nelson, I read right. that. Okay, well there we go. Good. He was in, uh, worked with Bruce Lee on Way of the the Dragon. So there's okay. a little bit of a Bruce Lee connection with that song. But you're right. It's it's a it's along the lines of uh, the King of Kung Fu from you're gonna, which you'll hear at some point when we get into Goodbye Bruce Lee is his game of death. I'd say. <sighs> Probably two of the most memorable Bruce Ploitation songs to ever come out of uh, any of them. I love that song too. No, this one is so catchy, and yeah, I don't know a lot about um, uh, Anders Nelson. I mean, I did see that he was in Way of the Dragon. He was one of the thugs, but right. um, I don't know. I read like multi- I, if you just Google him, like they say something about like Hong Kong's adopted child or something like that. So he had like this odd connection, right? Yeah, I mean, he had uh, he he definitely had a little bit of history tying all of this together. So I, I don't know how he got onto this particular thing doing that song, but you know, it's it's uh, it's definitely a catchy it. tune. Yeah, it is. It is. I I just played it before this episode, and I'm I, I just <laughs> I'm even dialing in. I'm just like he's a legend. He anyway. I'm gonna put that song at the end of this episode for everyone to hear. So. Enjoy that. Well, and and again, this the the thing about this film is they they there were some lofty ideas they were trying to present. There's a on the back of the press kit, the Hong Kong press kit. It says, "The phenomenon is a monstrous amalgam of basic human nature, of success and failure, of value systems. It is worthy of meticulous dissection. The film plows beneath the rather familiar faces of the man to expose the building blocks of the legend." <laughs> so wow. this is this is the press material on this. Um, That's beautiful. Yes, yeah, that beautiful. Did, was that, that by, means. Was that written by E.E. E. Cummings? <laughs> yes, it was. E.E. <laughs> e. Cummings, the translator. <laughs> Believe me, there's some parts of this uh, that make. I mean, that made a little sense. But well, you know, and I'll tell you, just that said, like right away, I'm like, damn, they they were filming this really, really well. Like they they were taking a lot of time, and uh, but then. What hits you right away is just how bad the dialogue is. There are people's mouths moving and no words are coming out. And then like just a few words will kind of pop. It was really weird. Yeah, and I, I, I don't know this for a fact. It's just an observation I've had with it. Uh, is that is I think the, the dubbing in this, not only was it not great, but it, which I think at that time they really didn't care much anyway. But it... it um, I think it's very different than what I've never seen, or I shouldn't say never because it was the first time I saw it, but where I can remember uh, recently where I've seen a, a copy of this in its original language with the subtitles, which right. sometimes don't, aren't always accurate either. Because I think when you listen to what they're saying a lot, or obviously not, you hear what's being said, I should say, by the, the dubbers and then see what they're 
they're doing on screen, it doesn't always look like it matches. I think there was a lot of leeway in terms of the American dubbers that came on and started changing things that were said for whatever reason. It's, if you watch this film, just just notice that. You kind of can tell, I have a feeling they're talking about something totally different right now. Well, I would say but, the whole experience of this, like with the wacky uh, David Lynchian style that eventually comes and, and all the drugs that the people were doing, I think here's what happened. They went, sat down to make a movie, and they had all of them. They had a good budget, and they had Bruce Lai, and they, they knew it was going to go. And they made the movie, and then it was time for them to actually create the sound for it. And they lost all the scripts and stuff, and the guy just died or whatever. <laughs> and an overdose, the guy who knew, knew what was going on. So it, that's what it feels like. They just had to make it up. Could be. I mean, I, I mean, there's some definitely some spots in it where I feel that way anyway about it. So, but I, I feel like it's better towards the end, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, that's true. I mean, it does get a little bit when they're not saying as much. That's <laughs> <laughs> uh, wonderful. So, well, wait, okay, but, so, wait, wait, so oh, let's tra- let's let's. No, no. I was gonna say, go, let's just follow up from where you had taken it, which is that the the friend now takes Bruce Lee, which we've of course missed this whole childhood to adulthood, you know, part of the story, and takes him to. Well, it, which is it's, it gets a little confusing because it's sort of implied that it's San Francisco. But if you look on the police uniforms, it says Los Angeles and it technically should be Seattle. But right. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. So we're in San Francisco and they make a big point of that. They like, you know, look up the skyscraper and then they look up the iconic pokey tower. And um, yeah, it's it's really odd because and it's very um, I felt like this could be like a Sammo Hung film. You know, it's very funny. They're like <clears throat> they're going for laughs. The music that keeps playing is it's it reminds me of um, the stuff from Way of the Dragon when they're trying to be cute. The anyway, yeah, yeah. So we're in San Francisco and he's fish out of water, uh, very confused, uh, doesn't know how to feed himself, stuff like that. And for some reason, um, he yeah he's starving. Um, it, I think which this... is strange because he's probably I mean the implication is he's been there since he was a kid because right. when he was like born his friends like oh, I'll take him to the states. <laughs> it is way of the dragon. They just ripped it off and they did it. You know what I mean? It's Bruce yeah. when he got off the plane, and it's this exactly that. But they're doing it here because he, he's that same level of confused. He's kind of like I don't know how to buy this. I don't know what money is. <laughs> it's, it's very very odd. Yeah. But, so he's he finds that this was just really weird um an acting job and they really had no problems in this of just completely degrading the chinese which was the point right they wanted to make a point that americans think that all the chinese are you know stuck in the dark ages and you know, you need to wear your pigtail or your ponytail, not pigtails. Right, and what's interesting is, you know, and this is, of course, is an Asian perspective on this, and I'm, you know, not to say it's not true or whatever, but you can kind of tell later when he gets the part of the Green Hornet that it never happened that way because they're still doing the same thing to him. But he, what's interesting about it is is that he, they're showing that not only was he, uh, you know, he he's sort of rising up against the stereotype, but then they would throw in that one guy. Remember, there was the other Chinese guy that comes up and he starts going, "I'll do it, I'll do any." And he yeah. kind of Bruce gets pissed off at him and says, really? "Then you do it," and throws the the thing over his head. You know, which yeah. sort of as a means of saying, "Yeah, don't be this guy, be this guy." You know, right? You know? Yeah, that's great. And they kind of keep this thing going, like the same producer or whatever that was at this uh, little acting thing that they were putting together kind of follows him along, you know, into the Cato show, Green Hornet, and then on to, um, you know, I guess what would be Edge of the Dragon later on in the film. But it's funny, it's the same guy. They they try, it's like they had a high hope, like we, we're going to have a cop buddy, 
and you know the cop for some reason is a cop in the beginning and i thought it was going to play out that the the policeman was going to you know like kind of taunt him or something but then it's like he wants to be his best friend and then suddenly he's like a action sports reporter or something like that but we'll get there um so yeah uh, uh, with the cop oh the hitchhiking scene so yeah so the cop brings over another dude and he's like hey i want you to meet my sports writer friend or something like he's just really into kung fu and bruce looks down at the ground because he just dropped his newspaper and he sees there's a tournament now we don't get this because it's it's not i don't think it was in english (laughs) i have to rewatch that i don't think it was that or maybe you just couldn't read it you just couldn't read it yeah 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 he just runs off and there's this hilarious hitchhiking scene with Bruce Lee standing on the side of it, it's like he'd never seen cars before, and he he's almost getting hit, and he's like trying to wave people down. And he's cussing at him. It was it was the ultimate in overacting. I thought it was beautiful. <laughs> well, and again, and again, this this film takes the period basically of 1958 to 1971 in Bruce Lee's life and makes it look like it's a couple of months. You know, so there's right. you know we go from his sort of struggling in in the United States to going to the Long Beach Internationals, to, you know, heading back to Hong Kong and becoming a star all in a small, short of, you know, this short period of time. Um, but, yeah, but that is that is another interesting aspect to this, how, and I actually, I think it works, even though it's not really handled super well, is his relationship with that cop. You yeah. know, they take this kind of, this white guy, very typical, you know, sort of, slightly heavy you know white american guy that he gets involved with and there's that moment real too that's that briefly where he gets the um the ice cream cone from um the, yeah. the girl the earlier earlier on in the story anyways there's there's these fragments of these things they start to play at and then we we take bruce lee to what we suppose is the the internationals which would <laughs> is this chaotic sort of blood sport kind of uh run run thing that again uh-huh. Everybody, you know, the idea I think in in Asia was that in America everybody was so on kung fu and it was on all the local TV stations. Everybody was following it. It was sold out crowds, which is what's kind of funny about it too. Oh, that was really really. So you said you know what that tournament was supposed to be, right? Well, it's it's it was we saw it in the Dragon's story because he go he went there. It was a little more defined there, and that's what this is being taken from. Clearly, is um, the dragon from um, the Long Beach Internationals, where he got he got filmed on some okay. parade, and then it ended up becoming uh, ultimately becoming the Green Hornet. Is that the same? I mean, we've talked about this, but is that the same? Um, the One Inch Punch film and all that stuff, where he's wearing some of the like some gear. Detective gear. That's yeah. it. Okay. Perfect. Yeah, that's it. Which, of course, you know, I mean, the the movie's portrayed as if he's getting in a ring and fighting with these guys, and he was just there doing demonstrations, is what really happened. You know, do a little right. sparring with some of his students, and, and that was it. Yeah, most of them show him fighting. There was another one. I feel like it had young Samo hung in it, and they fight in a ring. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you mean a brutal lie? <laughs> no. See, it's starting to catch up uh, with you. It is. It is catching up. Anyway, there isn't. I, I, this isn't. This is many times that I've seen him in a ring fighting somebody in some sort of biography kind of way. So it's just really weird. Um, that said, the crowd. That's what I was going to say. That's what made it so interesting. That it's. A, it was obviously filmed with a bunch of westerners, probably at a, a high school or something. Yeah, they, and. She, and I don't think this is in the in the United States. They filmed it somewhere in Asia and just found as many white people as they could and put them in there. 
I didn't consider that. I just didn't think you could find that many young white people. <laughs> I agree. No, I agree, especially because I think it was shot in Taiwan primarily. But um, I it, there wasn't enough in there, and I didn't talk to Bruce Lai about it as, to, to figure it out. But there wasn't um, enough evidence for me to look at this and go, yeah, that's the United States. You know, yeah. Bruce Lee, the man, the myth. You're you're getting it clear as day that they're in you know Italy. They're in yeah. you know. San Francisco or Seattle or whatever, you know, so. Right, aside from the skyscraper part, they don't actually show anything else. There's an odd scene where there's like, um, there's a fence with a bunch of vendors and it looks like it's Asia, but there's a big uh, sign on the fence that says like San Jose College or something. Right, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, it, and it's funny, there's a Time magazine on the, hanging up on the um, on the, the wall there, on one of the stands, which is actually from 1975. So it was <laughs> two years after Bruce Lee had passed away. Yeah. That's wonderful. <laughs> it's probably when they were shooting it. They were probably shooting it at that time. So. Right. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. So you go. So we jump into this tournament thing. Well, I wrote my notes just like you. I wrote Bloodsport. <laughs> yeah, there you go. And he runs into his white, uh, f- his cop friend there. Yeah, a little bit more slapstick. He's got like mustard all over his mouth. And every time he tries to take a picture, inexplicably so he stands yeah. in front of him. It's really cheesy and hilarious. And, um, and I, I was saying that I noticed that... Um, the the ring the ring where they're fighting they're like basketball hoops and so i'm like really that's the kind of thing we're doing <laughs> so in the terms of the fighting okay so we're going to start out we got this big big dude and then we've got this guy wearing orange what what style was that guy supposed to be doing uh the yeah that well he was basically i think representing a, a, like a Chinese martial artist, you know, okay. that, that would, I, I would get, it's, it's a little more like he's, he was being a little, um, uh, you know, just a, a little more eclectic with his martial arts, but that's more or less what I think he was representing where you have, you know, the, the Japanese clearly representing the Japanese art, sort of a sumo karate kind of a right. thing. And, and then, um, yeah, yeah, I couldn't. I couldn't make it out. I mean, so this guy, they like, yeah, they did their. That was his things. name. His name's Sam Chin Bo. He's uh, he's he's been around forever. You you you've probably seen him in a number of kung fu films. He was actually in Fists of Fury as one of uh, Suzuki, the the bad guy in Fists of Fury, as one of his students. Okay. So he he worked with Bruce Lee on that. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, I say so. We get a sequence of people fighting each other, and it's really long. I mean, there's no good reason. I guess they just wanted because there's not a lot of. Um, not a lot of action in this at all, but this is where they throw in throwing in a bunch of action. So, small dude actually looks like he's doing a pretty good job. He beats up the first big dude, then he beats up a karate guy, and the audience is in between laughing and shrieking in fear and and you know horror as blood is spilled and people are getting hurt. But then the greatest thing happens: the biggest guy I've ever seen with a Hitler mustache comes out, picks the guy up, and throws him out of the ring. Uh, it might have been my favorite scene. I'm like, wait, what just happened? Yeah, it's a, it's definitely a weird choice because you know usually you put a guy in there and you build him up and then maybe you bring in one more guy to like wipe him out because that's going to be the, like this guy really beat the guy that beat the guys, you know. So now Bruce has got a guy to go up against. But it was sort of like you built up one guy, then whoop tossed him out, then built up another guy, and then whoop tossed him out when the new guy came on. <laughs> you know, it's sort of this strange development of who's Who's going to be the the challenge for Bruce Lai to take on? Right, and then yeah, because then of course they bring in this big black guy, and he's supposed to be like the champion of the world or whatever. 
And, right, Ernest, yeah. Ernest Curtis, yeah. Yeah, he was great. He, he He's like a foot and a half taller than Bruce Lai. And that's in a really odd section, everyone laughing. And I thought it was going to work out better because we all knew Bruce Lee. So I'm thinking, okay, this is the part. Um, everyone's going to laugh at him. And then he's going to go head to head with this big dude. And he's going to just kick his freaking ass and it's going to be glorious. But that's not at all what happens. He's getting beat up. They're laughing at him some more. He's getting more beat up. Bruce is trying to do like some cheap things, like hit the guy in the ribs where he was hit earlier and stuff like that. Uh, I didn't even know what the hell was going on. I'm just like, wow, Bruce Lee's a really shitty fighter. Yeah, he's not. Well, this would have been a great time if he had like, if it became Bruce Lee Carey, you know, where they're all right. laughing at him and then he cl- and all the doors shut and everybody dies. Yeah. <laughs> no, but you're right. That I think that was another element to this, which we comes up a little bit later. But he is not. Again, kind of like what we did with the dragon story, the portrayal of him as a super trained martial artist is not really anchored to him as a character in this. He comes in, he wants to show Kung Fu, but it's more of his pride wanting to show Kung Fu rather than this guy who's out jogging every day and doing push-ups, kind of like in Bruce Lee, The Man, The Myth, or even in Bruce Lee's Deadly Kung Fu, where there's a sort of a, 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 a real primary aspect to his character and here I, I don't think that fully develops till we'll, we'll get into it as it goes because i think it becomes an important part of the the story that makes it so different um but uh, at this point yeah you're right he's just sort of not being displayed there there's a little bit of a lesson here because he is having this this idea this flashback or like how to defeat the guy so there's they're trying to you know build up this karate kid moment here where he's in the midst of the fight improving himself right but it's yeah it's tough how they carry it off yeah yeah he does uh it's it's like he's a gymnast that knows a couple moves of you know kung fu because he does a lot of flips which is yeah <laughs> really interesting too and i i don't know i guess it's testament to bruce Lai being a total badass but yeah i there's a point where so the only reason he actually stepped it up is he's beat up and he's sort of done and the big dude's just like you can take Kung Fu and get out of here or whatever. <laughs> Telling him. So then he gets so mad, it like echoes in his head. And this is one of the first times we start getting into the whole David Lynch style. <laughs> it's kind of like he's sitting there, it's echoing in his head. It made just, it was almost like, I got a little David Lynch and I got a little airplane. But then he just goes, no, I won't. Flips around, beats the guy up, and we get this big success montage. Where it, it goes into, it shows his pictures it shows real Bruce Lee, and then it kind of morphs over to Bruce Lee, and it shows all the awesome stuff happening to him, and our song starts again. It's the legend, he's the hero. Yeah, it's awesome. Anders kicks in. Yeah. Now, on, on an Anders uh, note, he actually was a, became a composer. He did other soundtracks and other, uh-huh. you know, probably for like 10 years after after this. That's awesome. Yeah, no, I love this song. <laughs> he, it should it should have been a it should have been a contender. Um, so, uh, the next scene is the the big one. We get to get in there and look at the Green Hornet. And if you follow what happens in this movie, um, and by the way, Linda just 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 appears. Right. That's an, that's another example again, which I think is important to to point out is there none of these films, with the exception of the first one, where they did it in such this like we talked about this awkward lumpy way deal with his being in this interracial relationship you know this film goes into i think more than the others the conflict 
between with regarding having his white wife and his Chinese mistress. But we'll, we'll, we'll talk about when we get to it, get there. But there's also this element that you have to admit with the film where they just sort of take it as normal. You know, this is just the way it is. And yeah. uh, and so here, like you said, we we just get Linda's just there. They're already together. There's not like a romance. We're not a hey, I, I love you. I love you. It's just boom. We're together. You mentioned it the first time this happened, and I don't even know which one it was. It could have even been The Man in the Myth. But I had imagined that the directors, writers, whatever, they're doing kind of a, a hand gesture wanking motion every time Linda comes up. They're just like, yeah, just put her in there because we know it exists. Blonde lady. You need a blonde Well, yeah. Lady. And you remember in, in the in the dragon story, the, the one we, we talked about first, yeah. there's a scene where they kiss, and as they go in to kiss, it's behind a heavy bag. So you don't even see them kiss. There's a, he's on one side of the heavy bag, she's on the other. They lean in to kiss, and then yeah. boom, they're gone off camera. So there's there's definitely this element with these films where it's like uh, we're not we're going to put it in there because it's part of the story, <laughs> it's part of his life, and and in this case, she's beautiful. <laughs> she's yeah, you know. But um, we're we're gonna we're gonna bypass what might piss off, you know, possibly that. it's a case where you know maybe in America we might have an issue you know you would have thought back in the 60s or 70s or 50s you know interracial interracial uh, relationships but maybe there was that going over for them too as well i mean it's not just you know it happens all over the place you know there's a little this uh, you know you stick with the stick with the team you know yeah. but um anyway so you're right she just appears and there we go yeah and linda yeah you're right she she was really i pretty hot she made me yearn for the 70s i'm like whoa what <laughs> the 70s were glorious okay anyway so yeah it's we're finally on the set um and it's uh it's the green hornet and i'm like oh i kind of know how this is gonna go and there's it's really great so he f tells him i guess the same um director or producer is what he is he comes back and he's like hey um you know we want you to be in this tv show and you get to headline and all this stuff and he's like great so he shows up and right away they, they're like, well, here, put on this mask. And he's kind of like, okay, I guess I'll do the mask. And then, of course, they have a wig. And that was his big problem early on in the first little film thing we did. So he goes to the director and he's like, hey, I was told by the producer I don't have to have any of this stuff. And the guy's like, well, dude, you do. <laughs> and he says something along the lines of like, you're from China. If I want you to put a couple chopsticks up your butthole and walk around you're gonna do it <laughs> yeah, yeah well he said Bruce oh. Lai says to him you people you know you you haven't you learned something over the last hundred years and he goes if I want you to walk around with a chopstick up your ass you're gonna do it boy thank you, know, you. So that's thank exactly you. what he said yeah. yeah that's yeah it was disgusting uh, I don't I don't I guess my uh, buttholes in your <laughs> your doesn't. That would have been good. That would have yeah. been good. But, doesn't. But it's a, but it's an example again of, of these movies. You know that did, clearly never happened on the Green Hornet, and, but it's it's this film. I think more than all the others we watch deals a lot with the the racism. Yeah. That Lee f did or did not face while he was over here, and uh, but it makes a point of it, particularly when he's in America. Two things that you always bring up, it's like, and I think that's a big one. So uh, the the racism um, that he felt, you know, because that gets brought up, but also this is definitely trying to establish that Bruce Lee was never an American, right? Exactly. Yeah, he yeah. was never Western. He he was always of China, and he was always yeah. Yeah, and, and there's that mention of that we talked about that even in Bruce Lee's Superstar, where he's talking about you know my my home is there and my home is. You know, here and Bruce Lee was actually a very westernized guy. 
You know what I mean? Oh, he, yeah. He loved Hong Kong, and, and people don't get even though he died in Hong Kong, he was getting ready to come back to L.A. I mean, right. he was getting ready to move back here and, and be an American star. And, um, you know, I he has his his roots in Asia. He grew up there. His friends, he, he learned martial arts there. He was very, there was a, his Chinese pride was for sure there, but he was like, hey, I'm a Chinese in American. I'm going to show the Americans that I, I, you know, how great we can be, but I still, I love America. But with these films, it's, it's not quite presented that way. There's a, I think in Superstar, there's a little balancing act with it where he goes, yeah, America's a great place. Or I, God, am I confusing it? But see, this one or that, or Superstar, where he says, America's a great place, but I can never be too far away from home or something right. to that degree, yeah. you know, so. Yeah, and you know, I would actually say, um, it's from my perspective in my time and with Bruce Lee, he did it. Like, Bruce Lee brought a whole, like, new level to Asian actors. Like, before that, I don't even know if I had any context before that, but he made me think, like, well, God, I want to I want to be Chinese. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. No, he did. I mean, there's the, if there's one... One of several things you can credit to him is he he took that race, you know, the, the, you know, that's why in, you know, you have these prior to to him being, I mean, I'm sure it happened afterwards to some degree, but prior to him, you know, that idea of the Chinese, there was, there was some Kung Fu movies and people were like, oh, here's this crazy fighting technique of the Chinese. But the, once he came out and and blew everybody away the way he did, it was, that was it, man, game on it. It opened up a whole, you know. Yeah. Absolutely. Very, very cool. Um, okay, so, but, and actually I have a little note here, and I just think it's interesting. In this universe that this movie is doing, the Green Hornet didn't happen because he would have walked off set right then and there. Correct, and, uh, yeah. Yeah. Whereas we well know, he put on the costume and he made himself extra famous. So, That's right. That's yeah. right. Um, and I did think it was also interesting um, from a like the lore of Bruce Lee perspective, the the him signing the contract ah yes say uh, ah you're gonna you're gonna so go ahead and say it that's good i i know that that's like i knew you were gonna pick up on it i knew you were gonna pick up on it yeah yeah he got tied in for less pay but and he's so thankful and and i feel like they just threw that away too because they're like well we're doing this and you could tell it's like they're pulling the wool over his eyes but then they just throw it away because betty walks in and he's like oh hey Mm -hmm. Well, which and and from a cinematic perspective, it's kind of interesting because he's signing this contract, which they clearly show him like hesitating, and it's very Faustian, you know, like oh, you're about to yeah. sign your soul away. And what happens when he signs it? Boom! Betty walks comes in <laughs> right at that point, you know, and she she comes in and uh, at this exact same moment he signs his contract. So there's we we now know that he's about to meet his biggest conflict in life or as, as the way they're going to present it anyway. Yeah. yeah. The push pull. I love it. Um, and, and if you, you notice, so we get this Betty Ting Pei who shows up and they kind of bump into each other briefly. But then the next time that they have a connection, which is again, so odd. And I, I, I don't know if there's something missing here or not, but they, they, um, you know, he's standing on, the street walking and then she pulls up in what an american mustang like probably the most americanized car you can find and she pulls up in it and there's that moment where he's looking at her and he's standing there and for, for no other reason he sits there and debates and then he gets in the car with her and they drive off Ugh. so it's a fairly you know pretty heavy metaphor of am i about to step into this world am i about to get myself pulled into this so this is where the movie for me like i said it's it's not always handled very delicately it's a little bit over the head 
But what I like about it a lot is how they're playing with these this metaphors and the ideas of Bruce Lee and his foibles in life, the things that he was letting get to him. Yeah. And one of them, I think, is Betty, even though she represents, in a way, his roots. You know, she's Chinese, where my, my wife is American. She's still the one when he gets with, and you notice the stuff at their house. You know, this this one is very unabashed in the way they handle their relationship. I mean, they're having sex, and he's lying around the bed, and he'll he'll be hang- and Linda will show up later into this story, and he'll just be with Linda, and then he goes over there to spend the night. You know, and and that's and and there's not much. Again, they deal with that, but there's not much of a like a repercussion. Linda doesn't say what are you doing or where were you last night? There's none of that. It's just, he's there, then he's there. He's there and he's there. And it's, it's, it's very kind of, it's interesting, you know, that it's interesting. Yeah. And I'd like to point out that at this point, like Linda just had one little blip scene. So we don't actually, if you don't know anything about the story, you don't know that he has a wife or kids or anything. It just doesn't matter. Like Bruce was there. There was a blonde lady for a moment. Now we're over, we're doing the signing the contracts. He left. He meets Betty. Uh, next scene, they get into the big boss, which I thought was interesting. Um, and then suddenly, we got to do it. Chi Kundo comes up. Yeah, and they they again. This is one of those movies where we don't we see a little bit. There's a little montage of him working out earlier, and it starts to show him doing his thing. But it's there's that conversation he's having with the reporters where he's explaining his style, his Chi Kundo, yeah. and explaining it to them. Um, and they're so mocking a, it. Correct. Yeah, yeah. they yeah. are. Um, and I think, again, it's one of the, like, even in Bruce Lee, the man, the myth, where Bruce Lee, the man, the myth, there was this constant sort of reinforcing of his training. It's a very similar there where he shows up in San Francisco and a narrator comes on and says, and in this time, Bruce Lee invented Jeet Kune Do. So they just <laughs> do this, this, there's this just jump, you know? Um, yeah, I love that. But yeah. Yeah, and they kind of did the same thing here. So, hey, what's your style? Oh, the style of no style? Oh, I think everything should have a style. Okay. It's like they're trying to make their points. And um, to your to what you said, there are lots of, uh, I think, in this film, they're trying to use things like the clock, and they're, they're trying mm-hmm. to get their message across in more ways than just showing it. But in the same respect, like when Betty pulls up in the car, it's once again like he doesn't even know what a car is. He's like, whoa, why is this thing pulling up and what's it going to hit me? He's like really confused by the whole concept. And then, yeah. yeah, it was strange. He did, And I didn't get that, but you're right. Like the reason they had him ponder, like they're trying to show Bruce was really processing and yeah, he chose wrong. <laughs> right. And I'll tell you, let, me, let me point out something. I am one of these filmmakers that absolutely I get turned off when I pick up a book on film and it's. It says, you know, usually in the title, it says masculinity or femininity or uh, political or when when I start reading books that try to take a film, you know, or or movies in general and give them this meaning that I I can almost guarantee you a thousand percent was never the filmmaker's intention in the first place. It's almost like I read these authors that are trying to justify eight years in film school to talk about a movie and make it sound more important. So that being said... I, when I talk about the American car and, and him like hesitating getting back in it and when he was in America, all the racism as sort of an anti-American statement, 
I, I don't think I'm going totally too far once we get to the next part where he gets the training device. Because I think once you realize he has this training device that's given to him, there is no doubting that the whole underlining story in this film is American influence very bad on Bruce Lee. Yeah. All right, um, so we're, we're there, I think. So we get another big um, fighting stereotype. Uh, he goes off with Betty. We got it. Uh, big stereotype montage. Uh, then they show a little bit, I think, what's supposed to be uh, um, Fist of Fury. Which they do uh, a good job they, at. That, it, yeah. You're talking about when he's, in, when he's fighting the Japanese in the dojo, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They, show the, they show the katana fight. And I felt like that guy looked just like the guy from Fist of Fury. Right. I think that I was going to point out that I think that they do a good job of recreating that. When some of the choreography in that for Bruce Lee fans, when they watch it, it's it's t- lifted, you know, move for move in some of the sequences. You know, he fights the 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 group of guys. And then when they're back off, then the, the Japanese leader comes over to him. And the, just that first movement is all the same from actual Fist of Fury. Yeah. And I think in a lot of these things, I know like the, the filmmakers had they, they had to be thinking often. People have no way of verifying any of this, so just put it in. They'll just remember it and then try to, re- yeah, try to figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, we get back to uh, the U.S. and it was really weird. Like again, if you had just been watching, and I was, I guess I was paying attention because um, of I, I noticed Linda the one time, but then not again. But then suddenly here she was with a kid. And okay, well, there, that now there, just want to stop you for a sec because they're sure. supposed to be in Hong Kong. Okay, so that's his uh, Hong yeah. Kong palace. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so his wife's suddenly there, and she picked the place out, so this is his first time seeing his fully furnished estate. And um, kid, it's like, oh, he's like, he's like, look, what a good what a good boy, and he kind of picks him up. I'm and like, passes him off. Yeah, yeah, I'm like, well, that, that was weird. And then, of course, Betty gets out of the car. I'm yep. like expecting, wait, I'm like, wait, what? I'm like, oh, oh, I guess we're just accepting it. At first, she looked a little downtrodden, but then, like, a few minutes later, she's smiling as big as she can smile. I'm like, okay, okay, this is happening. Well, yeah, and that's kind of what we were talking about. She is the mistress, you know, and that was a fairly common thing in that society, particularly at that time. You know, especially amongst, I guess, the, the celebrities. You got your wife and then you got uh, your mistress. Yeah. So, Betty, if, if you even just look at... But it was so known. That's the thing. It's a, it's not like this was really... It was just the not spoken about, but fully on display relationship that he had. And um, even when he's... he's his the, the newspapers about Bruce Lee's death, if you just look at them, you go online and look them up, you'll see her, she pops up on every single one of these you know, stories about him, not just because she, he died in her apartment, but just because there was a relationship there and it was just part of the deal. And and in this movie, I don't think shies away from that. They don't like really deal with it because then we have these scenes with his wife, who's super loving and caring and concerned for him and always, you know, bringing the doctor in to try to help when he starts Mm kind of losing it. And, you know, it's interesting. Okay. So this is great. He gets a tour of the house. And this is, I love this because the first time I ever saw it was The Man, The Myth, that Bruce, um, I, I mean, you maybe you told me or I'd read something that people suspected that he was using weird technology. Well, they really did have weird technology. It was like, a, I guess it was like Han Solo in Empire Strikes Back when he's covered in carbonite or whatever with like a couple punching hands. <laughs> so it's like almost like a video game. Like you just get close to it and the punchy arms come out and punch you really hard. 
but it's got a face and everything, which is just really mm-hmm. weird. Like I like the man, the myth. He was pretty much like punching into holes in like a mainframe computer, and it was like bleep 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 bleepy. This was just weird. I'm like, okay, that's the American. Like he said it. That's what we did. We got him the latest state of the art punchy machine. Right, and that's but that's it. You've you've just called on the difference when you go to Bruce Lee, the man, the myth. It did show his his relentless training with all the different devices. But here the device itself is a, a demon head and two American boxing gloves. And it's, ah. and, and as they state, you know, this is from the States. They're saying this isn't some, you know, ancient traditional, you know, loved martial arts device. This is from the States. And this is the thing that's going to F you up. <laughs> you yeah. know, there's the, there's the red lights that are going on and off. Every time he gets into it, he locks himself into the room. This becomes part of the, the story, which is, you know, him becoming obsessed, i.e. with American uh, traditions or values or whatever it is exactly they're trying to say by this American influence that's part of his demise. And even it, when he has that moment where he has the where he's he overtrains himself and he basically collapses into these sort of altered states of whether it's him floating in, you know, between here and death or whatever. And he runs into the teacher who says, yes, life is short, but haste will shorten it, you know, which is the theme, of course, throughout the movie about his constant pursuit of, you know, whatever it is he's, I mean, it's not really laid out, fleshed out, but it is the, I want to prove, I want to prove, I want to prove. Yeah. I didn't get that, but now I see exactly what you're saying. Like I didn't get, um, like, cause he keeps getting beat up by the machine and right. he's just like, he's just beat up. And it looked to me like it was just bad acting planning because he'd suddenly snap out of it and he's okay again. But I guess. Well, watch it, it again. Watch yeah. when they introduce the, if you watch when they introduce the machine, it's like in this over here, look at it. And they turn and there's this dun, dun, dun. There's a shot of it and they walk up to it and he touches it and he feels it. And then when they walk off, the camera lingers on it and pushes it on the face. Mm-hmm. It's it's very, you know, unlike, you know, if it was a, just a piece of training equipment, he's going to get obsessed with. They go, oh, here's my new training equipment and walk off. You yeah. Know? <laughs> yeah. Great point. Well, okay. So then we jump into some comedy again. I don't know why it's so funny, but. Um, Bruce is like, look, a pool. And he just goes rolling down this hill. Yeah. <laughs> For no good reason. Slashes in the pool. But then everyone else does too. Wendy goes ahead and rolls down the hill. And um, I forget who the other guy was. It wasn't the producer yet. I think it was like maybe his master or somebody goes rolling down the hill. And I'm like, what the fuck just going on? Anyway, um, then we get this like long sequence of him playing in the pool. And there's a great scene with Linda just like reaching in the pool to hit him with water and stuff. And it's just so animated and weird. But we're back to comedy. Right. Which I think is it's one of two things. It's either here we're going, let's show the happiness that he had when success came to him and how he just becomes this, mm-hmm. you know, everybody, you know, everybody loves him. Everybody's fine. You know, he's got the American producer. He's got the Raymond Chow guy. He's, you know, got his beautiful wife he's got his mistress he's got his pool so i think there is a little bit of that element but you know as you're we're pointing out and seeing that this this is film starts getting dark pretty dark at this point you know it just goes into a much darker state and so this is that that moment that gives a little levity yeah, yeah we've gone to like kind of the uh, it's a very 70s sort of like what the fuck is going on kind of thing like altered states kind of i don't know but yeah sure. so then the producer comes down he's like bruce this time for real no costumes and we want you to make you a star and he dunks the producer in the pool and we're all laughing 
um, and then I guess this is it. It's finally time for the Edge of the Dragon part. Um, and this, I don't know. I guess if you had never seen Edge of the Dragon, you'd under you'd just be like, this is cool. But we have these four martial artists that show up, and they're all different. There's the African one. Uh, there was a German one or Swedish one. He's the one that clicked his heels. Right, God, that was so weird. Yeah, <laughs> that whole scene is really weird. It's just like, what's going on here? Yeah, <laughs> that's what this is one of. That's one of the scenes where I think the dubbing may be covering other things that are being said because mm-hmm. the whole thing feels strange to me. Yeah, so he's getting, he's just shaking hands with them all, and then we get to the dude he beat up at that Long Island Super Tournament. Yep, and, and he's like, "I want revenge," and it's a very strange scene. Yeah, it is a very strange scene, and it takes us into Enter the Dragon, which we've seen before, where we have this fight. Like we, in fact, um, when we did Rob Cohen's film, The Dragon, the Bruce Lee story in '92, you know, where they, um, it has a similar thing, where the the person he fights in the ring in Long Beach, he then fights on the set of The Big Boss. Here, we're just mm-hmm. taking it and doing it in Enter the Dragon. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it, it was really weird because, um, yeah, and then also, is it The Man, The Myth, where uh, the TIE Fighter, <laughs> TIE Fighter. Yes, uh, yeah, it. Yeah, exactly, yeah. So it, was, it felt like that. And in, interesting, because um, I don't think any film I've watched up to this point has ever pointed this out, but they're like, wait, so Bruce Lee's going to beat up, like, all 20 of us? Like, that doesn't make any sense. And Bruce is like, dude, it's a movie. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, this isn't real life, which, you know, I think Bruce made a major, he tried really hard to get the world to believe what they saw on, on film. I did, for sure. I thought, well, Bruce Lee could beat up anybody, right? Well, there was no doubt that he wanted to, to show, even if it was, you know, an overextension of the truth, you know, right. how how his, his fighting would, at that time particularly, wipe up most people. And, you know, today, the... Most times when we talk about a fighter, we think the UFC fighters, and there's no doubt that the UFC is what it is because of what Bruce Lee tried to do in the 70s. Dana yeah. White said as much. So, Yeah. All right. Well, in between all this, we do have a few more training sequences. We start getting to the point where we're watching Bruce's overtraining and the Green Machine right. is beating the shit out of him. And that was the part that I thought was odd. It, we just talked about it, but he'd sit there days like he was dying. So I felt like this movie had a lot of like... Um, fake death scenes. I'm like, oh, guess what? He's about to die. There's a point where he's like sitting. Uh, I don't know if we're there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're pretty close. We we have the end of the dragon scene. He pretty much tells this dude, he said, yeah, if you were able to beat me up, you'll be the star of the movie, which makes no sense either. I'm like, just fire them. Make your movie the way you want yeah. it. You're the star. <laughs> you don't have to like, this isn't that. This isn't The Hobbit. It isn't like, if you defeat me in battle, you're the king. I'm like, okay. So yeah, he ends up beating them all up and of course, um, they, the, all of these guys that you met earlier, these expert martial artists with cool names are like, make us your student. So, yeah, we got that. So b- there's a scene with Betty, and he's in bed with her, and she's talking about um, the game of death, which they're calling something else. Yeah, you're right. The, the death game or something yeah. very similar, yeah. Right. And um, it's great because I'm thinking, oh, this is the part where he dies. This is the end of the movie. We're done. I'm like, okay. So I figured this was coming. And um, she's like, I don't think you should call it that. You know, he's throwing, this is his time to get philosophical. Like, I, f- I think whoever wrote this went and found his inspirational quotes and just pulled them into the movie so we could use them. But he's kind of saying that, well, isn't life is, you know, a game too and stuff. And Betty says, 
I don't like this serious stuff. And just starts like kind of moving into him, you know, in a let's let's get busy kind of way. Um, oh yeah, it was the last <laughs> game, which was a bad omen. Wow. Anyway, I thought that was funny. He has this line, which could have easily been on my top list too. He said, sometimes I wish I could be like a clock. <laughs> and that's the clock thing that you talked about back in. So you had the ticking yep. the whole time and then the clock. That just, that killed me. The death scene, which wasn't a death scene. And, you know, the clocks in the mountains. And I'm like, okay. I see you're talking about the, the last scene with him in there. Is that what you mean? No, this is the Betty scene in bed before they ever have sex, which is coming up next. Right, right, right. That's yeah. right. Yeah, like, because the reason I thought it was going to happen that way is uh, I think it's the man, the myth. It happens that way. Like, he's like, I'm not feeling so well. It was like the same bedroom in the same bed. And, yeah. <laughs> you know, she's like, well, let me get something for you. Here's weird drugs. And he dies. And that was it. So I was like, this is it. But no, it wasn't. At that point, all the philosophy was out there. Um, they, like, that's the point where he's almost beat to death by the, I will call it the demon robot again. And this time, they, the master busts mm-hmm. through the door, wakes him back up. And then, you know, it's like, he's like, oh, okay, yeah, I'm back. And Linda's joyous. But then some guy comes running in. And he's like, hey, I got all these cables from around the world. And they run up to this map on the wall and they just start showing. It's already all done. It's got strings that go off to all these different countries. It makes no sense at all. And it's like, everybody's seeing your movie, Bruce. And I guess that was supposed to be Under the Dragon, which, as we know, he was already dead by the time it got released so it was like well okay yeah i mean it could it could have been one of his you're right any of his i mean maybe his movies but it but it's you're right there's this giant map on the wall that's so why was anybody have a map on there <laughs> all that big with all <laughs> and if you also when you watch the film if you note, there's a painting that somebody did of him uh it's a famous picture of, of he and van williams from the green hornet without their costumes on yeah. and somebody painted it a rendition of it and put it up on the wall but their faces look a little deformed it's so weird <laughs> if so if you know the photo you, you you notice it on the wall it's pretty funny well that, again what you just addressed is how he's getting sucked into this almost into death he's being pulled into the from the the demon american demon punching bag and then his teacher martial arts traditional you know chinese um tri- you know chinese tradition comes in and saves them then of course what happens next right? you're getting sucked right back into your fame again by talking about how successful you are ah. so there's this again it's that push pull back and forth struggle with you know his um with his desires and his obsessions that are leading him that like i said that quote where he says uh, life is short but haste will shorten it or, or whatever something to that something something that aligns and that's exactly what this film is doing back and forth okay well so the cables in the map we get off to um betty again so and this time it's time for sexy time so it was i think this is where we really went over the edge like we could have probably ended the movie back there where he was about to die in the room from you know demon boxing and stuff but no we have this weird sex scene and i say it's weird because um, two things. First off, they keep showing our house and our house like, has like miniature figures. And like, while he's like laying on top of her, he's kicking a stuffed animal. It's a, it's a bear. <laughs> and I think, I, I, I think the idea is this bear is at his feet and as he's moving, it's like, it looks like it's going back and forth. Like, you know, cause it cuts to that. It cuts to the boiling water. It cuts to the lightning. It's cutting to all these frantic, almost demonic sort right. of <laughs> 
Okay, yeah. so then the storm's coming back, and then the coffee maker. I'm like, well, they like the illusion I'm getting is that he's like filling her with semen or something. It's showing this pouring and it's filling. Oh uh, yeah, that's you went there. Okay, I, there I did. Go. I was just like, what the hell are you guys thinking? Um, that said, I mean, it could be like time to wake up, coffee, or just fluidity. I don't know, but I'm like, <laughs> what? Okay, and then this, I'm I'm given like. I'm told, yes, you're right, Matthew. We've gone over the edge because he finishes having sex with her and she starts going, ah, 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 doing this evil laugh with the lightning. I'm like, oh, like, has he finally, like, he's become Bob, you know, from Twin Peaks. He's finally become this demon. Right. And it's probably, well, or he's given into that demonic yeah. pursuit yeah. that he's he's followed. And, and yeah. then, of course, it happens in Betty's house. Well, it really did in real life, so they can't avoid that. Uh, it's during a lightning storm. It's doing the, And then the song, if you listen to the song, of course, the song saying, even a strong man must die. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's got yeah. these lyrics in there. Um, and uh, I mean, and they, then, were, they were like healthy just a second ago. I mean, she's still like naked with a blanket and he's like dead after laughing crazily. Yeah, well, it, it, again, that was punctuating this idea of what killed him. What yeah. killed him was this obsessive thing with proving to America anything. You know what I mean? That it's proving to America. It's it's very much proving to Americans more than it is proven to the Chinese. That's what the whole thing was. You have more racism yeah. sort of thrown at Bruce Lee in, in this film than you do of any of the others. Um it got played up a little bit in Rob Cohen's, but we're talking about the Bruce exploitation films made in Hong Kong and Taiwan. And, and in the end, it's again, that was just, I think, and you know, again, that clock is ticking and ticking and ticking and ticking. And there it is again at the end. Then they had that weird moment where he's fading off, which is one of the haunting moments of the movie, of course, is he's, he's passing away. And then you get this sort of, it cuts to all the, the people from the original, the, the Long Beach stuff you know, the Long Beach fight, but they're all like just just sitting and just quiet, like almost sadness or shock as Bruce Lee's passing away. And then it cuts to his wife going, Bruce, Bruce. And then it cuts to his friend, the cop going, I was going to say, yes, we finally, we've missed him. We haven't seen him since the tournament. Right. Cops back. And there's that crying voice from America, Bruce, Bruce. And it fades out as you see him, Bruce Lee, Bruce Lai, in this like dark, like a dark room doing his martial arts into eternity. Like he's just going on and further back, further back with these voices. It's like, it's very heavy yeah. and, you know, heavy handed over, but the, 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 I always came away with it with that sense of like, just he's fading off into this sort of tormented, <laughs> you know, uh, purgatory with all these Americans crying out his name, and, and and you know, it's just, it's just, it's just, it's a heavy ending for sure. It definitely makes you think that um, the movie that shares the name, The Dragon Lives Again, is a much better ending for him to show up in hell with his third leg. Or maybe that's where which, he goes. Yeah, yeah, I think it was the yeah. sequel. The Dragon Lives. The Dragon Lives Again. You're right. Yeah, yeah. It's a sequel, unofficial. So I was thinking, now that we've hit the five Bruce Lee, Bruce Lee bios that why don't you and I go down from five to one of the starting at the fifth, meaning the worst, you know, or the least favorite up to your first. Okay. All right. Yeah. yeah. So give me number five. Okay. Um, well, let me get them all straight. So I've got these three. 
got Dragon Story wait, that we wait. did. That we... And I've Man the Myth. What's the th- what's the missing one? We got Bruce Lee's Deadly Kung Fu. Okay, Deadly. We got Kung Bruce Lee's Fu. Superstar, and then Dragon Lives. Oh gosh. Okay. Um, okay, so I would say um, probably. Let me make notes here. Uh, a Dragon Story might be the bottom of the barrel for me. Okay, Dragon. Right. Yeah, I'll yeah. tell you what. I'll tell you. What, you do the five. I'll do five. And then if you do four, I'll okay. do four. So I'll tell you. Okay. So I'm, I'm going to say I'm, I'm going to say a dragon story followed by. Oh, you want to just do them one? one yeah. One, yeah. One, well, we should do five, and I'll do five. I don't know. I'm just making this up as I go. But no, I like right. it. Hit me with number. <laughs> hit me with number. Five. All right. For me, number five is actually Bruce Lee's Superstar, and I think it's a better made film than a Dragon Story. But I don't. I find less to be interested in the movie by. Like, there's less in it going on, bad or good, that draws me to it. Even though I think it's technically it's got better fight scenes it's it's it has better production value i like some of the the way the director approaches it but for me i would say of of the five that would be my number five and i could see that and i think that's why i would put it at number four it had weird uh-huh. stuff like i really did like the the mandarin dream turn <laughs> contest with the old man and stuff and that was right. pretty cool but yeah I, then i yeah so that would be so i would go i would four would be flipping with yours i would put i would put a dragon story okay. as number four would i i like it a little bit more just because i find interesting the the weird approach even though the film's so plotting it's more melodrama than it is action but there's this interesting weird relationship he's has with his wife and how he pursues his the, how the filmmakers pursue Bruce Lee's course in life that I find a little more interesting to kind of rewatch sometimes. Oh, plus you got the here, honey, <laughs> with the yeah, the that's right, <laughs> that's it. <laughs> okay, that's fair. Um, okay, so number three would probably be Deadly Kung Fu because I don't remember it. <laughs> I remember a couple good fight scenes in it, but like uh, unlike these, I couldn't tell you right now. Uh, throughout it i remember enjoying it and putting it on my list of like yeah that was good but um i don't know maybe maybe that means i need to flip it to the end but i liked it i know i liked it okay yeah well i would say the the one we're doing tonight is my probably my number three i think for me again i i I, there's really interesting elements to this story that I, i i like from just the perspective of watching how they are trying to portray bruce lee and how they're venerating him and how they're embracing and trying to even show what they look at as his 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 faults his foibles and um and has a couple moments in a couple like the the recreation of the fist of fury that i think are carried and i and and plus uh, the mustache uh, bruce lies mustache you know you gotta you gotta give it props for oh yeah i mean i even put that in my notes but yeah so obviously that leads me around to this being this one i you could, I, I gave it a lot of hell, but it's a really interesting film, and I think it's one that I could actually watch again and tell somebody else to watch it. Just be like, check this out. It's weird. And mm-hmm. I guess I like it just because it isn't even trying to be honest, and it's just doing weird stuff. It's it's the, it's the it's odd, but yeah. All right. Well, I might, number two was is the one you 
completely forgot Bruce Lee's yeah. Deadly Kung Fu. Now, maybe it's because of the kid that you hated the voice of for oh, so much. Oh, you're right. Right? Yeah. But I, I have to admit, part of my reason for liking it's nostalgia, because I, you know, I grew up on that film. It was one of the earlier ones I'd seen. Oh, but man. I also... I forgot about that one. Now I know exactly what you're talking about. I yeah, you know. Thinking, yeah, well, you can change, you can change your number. You can change it. Yeah. I just... I What I like about it is I just... I like the, the idea of the battle of him and Wing Chun and trying to teach the Guaylos and, yeah. you know, the Carter Wong coming in and their their relationship develop and then the ending is just it's bizarre but it's great where he goes in and and fights the hor- guys on horseback and oh, the whip yeah, the whip and else. yeah well that leads us to number one we obviously have the same one yeah so, yeah man the myth that one goes down in history yeah it does you can't go wrong with it for sure yeah beautiful visuals the cities the the fighting randomly it, it spoke to me on every level yeah, and it's fun. It's not too heavy. It's not. It's definitely, you know, incorrect in many of its facts. But there's so much attention to detail in there, and Bruce Lai is such a lovable Bruce Lee in that one, as opposed to maybe some of these others where he's much more conflicted. We get we get elements of his obsession. You know, he's up late at night, but it doesn't feel like a demon's chasing him around. You know, we we get Betty Ting Pei, but particularly in the the Western version where they don't show them in bed together, it's just it's very just kind of tossed away. And we talked about this at the time where he's there's a scene where he's <laughs> in the bed and I was like bringing it up where he's sitting on the bed and he's talking like they're talking about Game of Death and he's mm-hmm. putting his hand way up in the air like you can tell he clearly tell he's talking about Kareem Abdul-Jabbar but all of a sudden out of his lips he goes well when's your husband coming back <laughs> 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 but but it's just, it's such a good film yeah it's it's one you can watch over and over I love it well uh okay that that sets us to the end thanks for going through that with me um do you have any news you want to share uh, well, no, I know there was a delay on Bruce's fingers, so I that's, that. uh, that's, yeah, it's, but it's, I think it's got a, uh, probably by the time this is out, it might be out cause it's coming out mid May, I think. Okay. Uh, and then, uh, we're, we're proceeding on to do, uh, a number of other good Kung Fu movies that are coming. I, I can't announce anything yet, but I probably will pretty soon. So, um, otherwise, no, not too much, man. You, you got me marking off on Amazon for sure. I, I realized once I got on Amazon prime and noticed that there was quite a good little array of kung fu films that i I checked them on put them on my watch list so thanks yeah all three of these are on amazon uh and free with amazon prime so badassery um let me remind you guys just finally uh you leave us a message you can either you know you can either send me a message on twitter uh if you have a question or a comment um but also we have a phone number that you can call in uh, and that's 424 two five seven zero three four four so leave me a message i can play that on the show and uh and get michael to give you a response or uh, like i said however you want to do it okay to those listening and yelling at your device yes deadly fingers is out and the reviews have been awesome um at least about the quality and the extras like i mean if you've never seen the movie and you buy it and you're like oh that's not the movie i expected well maybe you shouldn't have bought the movie but the movie is Deadly Fingers is hilarious. It's got so many good, good, good scenes. And uh, yeah, in this case, finally seeing it high quality with uh, that awesome commentary check by Michael is awesome. So we have a giveaway. Um, tweet to the hashtag the Clones Cast with your your uh, sorry with your favorite Bruce Lay moment, uh, and you'll be entered into a raffle for a copy of it. Uh, I will personally send it to you. Um, I'll include, uh, 
I don't know, maybe some fingernail shavings from Michael Worth. Okay, I'm kidding. Anyway, it's quite awesome. Um, so now we have a message from Marco Diem from Germany. Uh, he's messaged us a few times. I shall read it. He says, You do a very good job with this podcast. I like it very much. I have a question about the movie with the title Young Bruce Lee, The Little Dragon from 1982. It's like the real Bruce Lee, but worse. In this movie, they combine footage of Lee's movies from his childhood with scenes uh, from Bruce Lai. I saw every movie with Bruce Lai, but I never saw these scenes before. Do you know which movie these scenes come from, or are these scenes some sort of outtakes? Hey, Marco. Yeah, uh, the um, the young dragon, or the young Bruce Lee, rather, uh, I think it was a Dick Randall thing. And it's not only like the real Bruce Lee, actually some of it's from the real Bruce Lee. If you watch both films, you'll see even the narration has been taken and a lot of the clips and then they just sort of patchworked some extra clips. Most of the um, Bruce Lee footage is also borrowed from the real Bruce Lee. They add some other stuff in there from uh, I think Bruce Lee's Superstar uh, and I think Dick Randall had you know you gotta remember a lot of these films in Taiwan and Hong Kong that got started didn't all get finished and some of that footage that got swiped up from the Bruce Lee movie that uh, has him training all the um, students that uh, that also made its way into there and so it's basically the uh, just a hodgepodge put together of partly of the real Bruce Lee minus of course the Dragon Lee stuff and then more childhood footage and um, trailers they stuck in there I think for the Big Boss and Chinese Connection if I remember right so that's what that is okay perfect so we have a second message from Marco um Hi, I have another question for you two. I like the idea of how it would have been if Bruce Lee and Jackie Chan had made a movie together. A few Bruce Lee movies use that idea of Golden Dragon, Silver Snake, with Dragon Lee and Johnny Chan, Fearless Hyena 3, a.k.a. Fearless Master, with Bruce Tai from Clones of Bruce Lee and Jackie Chan, Dragon the Master with Dragon Sek, he has a fight with Jackie Chan imitator, but I think the best example is Bruce and Jackie to the rescue, a.k.a. Fist of Death, with Kim Tai Chung and Lee Sui Meng, sorry, Lee Sui Ming, and a kung fu school named YMCA. That did crack me up. YMCA. All right, anyway. Uh, could you make an episode with this movie? Yeah, there was a point where uh, Bruce Lee's films were still selling the tickets, but Jackie Chan was coming along and reinventing the uh, comedy action genre. Well, I shouldn't even say reinventing it. He was pretty much establishing it. And so you had a number of projects, particularly in the late 70s to early 80s, where they were combining the two things. <clears throat> in some cases where you had like Golden Dragon, Silver Snake, and you had uh, Dragon Lee and the Jackie Chan imitator, or in the case of Blind Fist of Bruce, where Bruce Lai sort of embodied both characters in, in uh, one. <clears throat> but we, uh, Matthew and I, are going to be doing Bruce and Jackie to the rescue, or sometimes known as Bruce versus Jackie to the rescue, if that makes more sense. And so be listening for it. It's coming up. It's going to be a good one. Indeed, we did. Um, look forward that, to that one in two weeks. It's wacky. Uh, let me send you out the badass theme from The Dragon Lives. I tell you, this is going to be on your mind 
for the next few weeks. Till next time. <laughs>